Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. Today is another guest episode, and I'm really looking forward to introducing you to Nicola Toner. Nicola is a route to market business strategy expert and a UK crowdfunding mentor. With a background in marketing, she has worked for some really amazing companies like Twinnings Tea, Sarah Lee Corporation, and Dow Egbert's Coffee during her corporate career. In 2008, she made the decision to step away from her employed role and become a self-employed consultant. Since then, she has worked all over the world, from Dubai to Chicago to Panama City and a few places in between. Nicola now lives in Grenada, Spain, having left the UK in 2015. Fast forward to today, and Nicola focuses on small business owners and helps lots of them work out where the heck their business is going and how it's going to get there. She accidentally became involved with crowdfunding about eight years ago when asked by a friend to write a sales pitch. She wrote an amazing pitch but the campaign still failed. She couldn't believe it. So decided to try to understand the secrets to a good crowdfunding campaign. In the last eight years, she's taken the process apart and put it back together so many times to come up with a really straightforward way to run a campaign to make sure her clients hit their target. Welcome to the podcast, Nicola. It's fantastic to have you on. Thank you very much for asking me. I feel very honoured to be here. My absolute pleasure. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests, so it won't be a surprise. What's your money story? Oh, what's my money story? Oh, gosh. Money for me is, um, it's a, obviously... It's a big deal because I think for everybody, it should be a big deal. Um, it's one of those enablers, isn't it? It's the thing that you need to do all the things that you want to do. Um, but I'm very debt averse. Um, and I suppose that comes from my childhood and being a teenager in the 80s, where it was all about loads of money and, you know, Wonga and all of this kind of thing. Um, but really what that loads of money and Wonga was all about was just having a whole heap of debt. <laughs> um, yep. And I'm old enough uh, to remember the crash in uh, late 80s, early 90s. can't remember exactly what year that was. And watching my mortgage interest rate go through the roof. Um, thankfully, I've never been someone that borrows up to my limit. So it was manageable. It wasn't a catastrophe for me, but I had 
lots of friends and colleagues that literally overnight couldn't afford to pay their mortgages. And it was kind of a strange feeling. So me personally, um, I like to pay cash. I like to buy things outright. Um, I don't drive a flashy car anymore. As I say, from the 80s, everybody wanted a Porsche. Oh, we yeah. wanted to wear a Rolex. Those things just don't excite me anymore. And they stopped exciting me sort of towards my late 30s. And I started to think, I can afford that without going into debt. <laughs> so that's kind of my money story. <laughs> I don't have debt. That's that's my goal is to not have debt. And do you think holding that belief has empowered you or held you back in any way? Um, I think it's empowered me. Um, I don't believe that it's uh, it's held me back. That's not something I've ever thought of, actually, in the past. I don't think it's held me back. It's maybe pulled me up short a few times when I've thought, don't be silly. That means going into lots of debt. And, you know, it could be the the fabulous convertible or, you know, I've, I've got a nice car. I own my home outright and have done for nearly 10 years. So I've, I see that as a goal. Um, I, well, let me think. Whenever I've, I've never bought a house at the full mortgage value. So I have always bought low, sold high. So that's enabled me in a way to, to live here now in a beautiful house in Spain with a swimming pool and beautiful views and buy it outright, which is what I did um, six or seven years ago now. So I think it's not something that's really held me back. It's enabled me to have the lifestyle that I want. I can do the things I want to do rather than having to do the things I need to do to pay bills. Yeah. And I asked the question because I know, you know, for some people, avoiding all kinds of debt. Um, looking upon savings as being something that is one of their biggest drivers mm-hmm. can also mean investing in themselves, investing in their business can be a problem because all of their all of their their money goes into essentially saving for that rainy day, but that rainy day never happens. Yeah, I'm not a rainy day person really. Um, I had somebody very close to me um, who passed away at a very early age who a really crappy disease, motor neurone disease. Mm. And I watched that person melt away for literally disintegrate in front of my eyes for about 14 or 15 months, I think it was in total. Um, so that gave me a little bit of a don't put it off kind of mentality. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, not, I mean, not that I'm frivolous and I do crazy things because it, you know, I can do crazy things if I want to, but it's not an everyday occurrence. Um, but that don't put it off, sort of seize the day kind of mentality is where I'm at. So I get what you mean about, you know, people have this, they've got to save, it's all got to go into a pot. That's not me. That's that isn't me. If I like the shoes, I buy the shoes. If I like the dress, I buy the dress. Um, I don't think, oh, I can't buy that because it will take X amount out of my savings pot. I don't really have a savings pot. I just have money in the bank, I suppose. I don't really look at it as savings. Um, I love to travel. Traveling, the COVID and the pandemic was the hardest thing in the world for me. Tell me about it. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got a little bit of a frog in my throat. Um, it was the hardest thing in the world because I was used to traveling for my work as well as traveling for pleasure. So I would say, you know, at one point um, I, w- I lived in a hotel in Dubai for 18 months because I was working out there. So, you know, having to all of a sudden stay in one place, that was really difficult. Um, so, so I don't mind splurging on the travel. If I can fly business class, I will, but I 
Also, if I can fly Ryanair on a 10 quid flight, I will as well. It's no, it's not, it's not either or, it's whatever kind of yeah. thing, you know, I, I don't mind. Balance. I'll get there whichever way I get there, yeah. as long as I get there. Exactly. And where do you think your relationship with money has, has come from? Um, oh gosh, it's really odd because uh, my mum and dad weren't savers. Uh, and I, my my mum still isn't a saver. Um my mum was also a housewife and a stay-at-home mum once I was born. So she didn't go out to work. And I'm not putting anybody down who does that, who doesn't go out to work and looks after their children. I'm sure, you know, it's a big thing. But she didn't earn money in in the respect that my dad would go out and he was um, a plumber, central heating engineer. So he was a manual labourer, kind of doing what he did with his hands. If he couldn't work, there was no money coming in. He he was always self-employed. Um, later on, he did employ other people, so it got a little bit easier. But um, I remember, I, I kind of remember one day being in uh, John Lewis with my mum, and I must have been about 11 or 12, I think. Um, I could have been a little bit younger, maybe about 10. And my mum seeing a three-piece suite that she really liked and just going in and racking it up on credit. And I remember at the time thinking, wow, we're getting a new sofa, a new three-piece suite. It was beautiful. Parker Knoll, I think, was the brand. And it was beautiful. Expensive was what it was. And without a thought of even how it was going to be paid for, my mum went in and, and, you know, wrapped it up on the credit. And I remember her coming home and saying to my dad, we've got a new three-piece suite. My dad had no idea this was going to happen. I remember um, her coming home and saying to him, we're going to get a new three-piece suite. And he was like... And I remember him saying about the monthly payment and thinking, oh, wow, he's now got to earn that. And that just stuck in my head. Um, and then through my teenage years, once I left school, I actually went to work for quite a big hairdressing chain um, that were all about the image, all about the money. Everybody was driving a Porsche, a Porsche, sorry. They were all walking around in an Armani suit in the 80s, you know, so it was all kind of big, shoulder big and exciting. And yeah. then it all came crashing horribly down. They... Um, the two guys that ran it ended up going to prison for all sorts of fraud and things. Um, and they lost a lot. They were millions in debt, I think. And it just and it just was that wake up call for me in my early 20s that actually there's a better way to do this. And this is not the way I want to be. I can't live on my nerves in that way at all. It's not not a good, not a good way to be. So I suppose where I am now comes from those couple of instances. Yeah. Yeah. So how how do you, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, how does that affect your relationship with money in terms of the often talked about roller coaster of being an entrepreneur? You know, not necessarily having that that regular monthly salary, the the highs and the lows. How does that play into your relationship with money? Um, well, I suppose I mean I've been self employed now since two. 2008, and I walked away from a really good, high-paying corporate job to go into contract work. Um, and that sounds like a massive risk, but actually, at the time, um, the contract was signed before I um, handed in my notice to the company that I was working for. So was it a risk? Yeah, it probably was. I mean, I remember sitting at the airport the first time I heard the words credit crunch. I'd just packed in a job and I was on my way to go live in Dubai. And I was thinking, what the heck have I just done? It, it turned out really well. It turned out okay. But um, I suppose 
um, from a, a self-employed point of view. Yes, you know, I've had peaks and troughs. I, I did one contract where um, the comp- I was working for an agent and the end company went bust before the agency got paid. So, of course, I was out of pocket completely. So it made me put different, you know, different things in place. I always made sure I got my... Um, sort of expenses and living expenses up front so that if, you know, I wasn't going out of pocket. So that wasn't a big deal. Um, But I suppose from a self-employed point of view, yeah, it's always uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen. Having an insurance policy um, and self-employed insurance policy for me is crucial. Touch world, I've never had to use it yet, but I wouldn't be without it. Um, And also having not living on the not living down to a zero bank balance is really really key for everybody not just if you're self-employed um it, what's that is it the phrase that you never you're only ever one paycheck away from eviction or yeah. something like that yeah um I always think quite um, I feel a bit safer because I don't have a mortgage or a rent payment I own my own property outright but you know, I still have the day-to-day living costs. If I don't pay my water bill, they're going to cut me off. Yeah. And here in Spain, they're quite ruthless. They do actually just cut you off. So you don't get that leeway the way you would in the UK, I don't think. Um, so I suppose it's always about just not going down to zero, always having a little bit of, you know, a month or two at least in the bank. Six months is, is great, but a month or two. Um, but I've got quite a lot of skills and I can turn my hands to a lot of things. And, you know, I always feel as if... Um, if I'm not, if something happened tomorrow, there's a load of things I could do. I could yeah. put myself out there to do yeah. that would give me some quick pin money, income, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And do you do you think it's that that belief in yourself that you have that skill set and that you will find something to enable you to put food on the table, pay the water bill, etc. It's that that allows you to live or, or work in a inverted commas riskier environment which is very different to your your mindset to a certain extent when it comes to debt the fact that you are able to be self-reliant and know that you can turn your hand to something else that you will find a way to do what you need to do do you think that is you know it's the secret to an entrepreneur's success not putting all their eggs into one basket and only being focused on the one thing that they are known for? Um, I like to have, and I always have had a liking for having more than one revenue stream, more than one income. So I don't ever really, I suppose, put my eggs into one basket. Um, But I also have that mentality, now whether it's right or wrong. And again, this stems back to watching somebody who was very sick and it didn't matter how much money we had in the bank. There was nothing that was going to change that situation. Um, he he had motor neurone disease. And from the minute you're told you have motor neurone disease, there's no cure. There's no hope. It's a, it's literally you have X amount of months left, yeah. give or take. Yeah. And my favourite phrase, although I've not used it for a while, so I think maybe I'm getting out of that habit a little bit, <clears throat> is nobody died. <laughs> so even if I did only have a euro in the bank or a pound in the bank, nobody died. Yeah. Nobody, you know, it's not the end of the world. I've still got all my clothes in the cupboard. Yeah. I've still got a load of food in my fridge or my cupboards. You know, my car is still sitting outside. Um, yeah, okay, I might struggle to put petrol in it, but nobody's going to take any of it away from me. Um so nobody died and I can always kind of scramble something together to 
to get enough to, I don't know, pay the water bill or pay the electric bill or whatever. So I'm not in that frame of mind where, yes, I am self-reliant, but at the end of the day, it's it's not the end of the world if actually you do have a dippy month and it all goes horribly wrong. Um, In fact, this month for me has been a, a strange month. Um, if you've been following my social media, my month has been up and down this month. It's been a very odd month. Um, thankfully, I know it won't continue and it's not dented me that much. And I can laugh about some of the stuff and, you know, I can find humour in it. But those months happen and being realistic about them happening is probably the best mindset you can have. Don't yeah. expect it to always be plain sailing. But at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Nobody died. Yeah. And I, I, th- I think you're so right, though. I think there is... There are so many really, really sad stories, you know, taking place at the moment, you know, around the world, be it it personal tragedies, be it, you know, wars going on, economic hardship, et cetera, et cetera. If you can find a way to almost be blinkered in terms of what is going to help me right now, what can I do to help me right now? and not be focused on the the what if because yeah. the what if is usually never you going to be exactly you can't control it and it's usually you know not as bad you know as as you think it is i did um i ran a challenge in um a group that i'm an associate coach for this week and one of the exercises and it'll sound a little bit grim when i des- when i describe it but a couple of people messaged me to say how how highly impactful it was. Um, it was to actually think about, you know, being told you had just five years left to live. And what difference would that have with regards to what you did and how you did it? And prior to asking that question, I'd spoken about, I just gave an analogy where I said, you know, imagine you came in from work. And you were feeling absolutely knackered. You'd had a really busy day. Things hadn't necessarily gone your way. You were feeling worn out. You were meant to go to an aerobics class, but you got home. You just felt too tired, could not be bothered. You were upstairs. You were changing into your pajamas and dressing gown. All of a sudden, you you smelt smoke and the fire alarm went off. Oh, my God, there was a fire in the house. You grabbed, you know, your nearest and dearest, your most important things, and you sprinted out of that house because your life depended on it. So you weren't dog tired. You did not have energy. It's just you couldn't be bothered to go to the gym. And I think the whole thing about, you know, thinking about I've only got five years left to live. Would I still be doing what I'm doing right now? Or would I be making different decisions? Would I be getting out of my own way? Would I stop procrastinating? Would I not be putting boundaries in place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So I think you're right. Having that attitude of no one's died and actually going, okay, what do I need to do to help myself is the best and most growth progressive mindset you can have because it doesn't hold you stuck it actually gets you being more solution focused on what you need to do yeah I am very solution process driven anyway I mean I write business plans for a living come on so you know you've got to be a little bit sort of process driven but I think that the the whole if I only had you know six months to live or five months to live or whatever the, bit, the point that you miss is if you're that ill 
Um, everybody says, oh, I'll just go around the world, I'll travel. Um, when the person that I was supporting was diagnosed, there was no going around the world. There was yeah. no, because he just couldn't have done it. There was yeah. just no way. Yeah. So, you know, that whole, what would you do? And it just became really important to have friends and family around to watch good stuff on TV because there wasn't a lot of other stuff. If we could get out of the house, it was to go somewhere nice, pretty, nice view by the sea, yeah. you know, in a upper mountain or whatever, um, wherever you could get with the car and have a cup of tea became, you know, have a nice cup of tea while sitting by a pond somewhere yeah. became a really amazing thing to do. So it's all relative to your situation. Yeah. It's not all about getting on a plane and suddenly ended up in Australia or yeah. wherever, you know, in the Middle East or it's about it's about living the moment yeah. as best as you can. And it doesn't have to be some amazing adventure. It yeah. can just be having a cup of tea, sitting by a lake or a pond. It really can. Exactly. So that, and I'm I'm always optimistic. Although sometimes I think maybe that sounded a little bit pessimistic. I'm not sure. But I am an optimistic. I am a glass half full person. Yeah. If someone says to me they've got a problem, I never say, oh, no, that's terrible. I say, okay, right, come on then. What are we going to do? How do we yeah. solve it? And yeah. that's just me. You know, project management skills kick in. And that's how I've always been. Um, I'm always optimistic. I, I don't get bent out of shape over things that are just, you know, a, a bump in the car or whatever. It's so what? It's on your car. It's not the end of the world. Nobody died. <laughs> so, it's you know, I am an optimistic person anywhere. And now for a short break. Are you ready to embark on a transformative journey that'll help you unleash your full potential and break free from limiting beliefs about money? Discover the power of consistent daily action for setting the foundation for your financial transformation. Introducing the 30-day Boost Your Money Confidence Experience, the start of your journey to mastering your relationship with money. Elevate your money confidence with daily emailed action prompts, each building on the previous day and emerge with transformed thoughts, feelings and actions around money. Click the link in the show notes for full details. Now back to the show. And I think you're right. I think sometimes it is the smallest things that are the best, you know, that kind of cup of coffee in the sunshine, waking up early and appreciating, you know, the, the birds singing, being able to, to look out at the sea and, and enjoy that view. I think when you can appreciate those really small moments and take and, and drink them in, not just take mm. them in, drink them in, yeah. that makes those bigger things even more beautiful but at the same time, it's I think, you know, you mentioned lockdown. I think for all of us in lockdown, it was the little things that we missed, not the big, big experiences. Although for my, my youngest son, it was going to Disney. Oh. <laughs> that was the thing that he mentioned a few oh. times. I miss going to Disney. Exactly. We lost the ability to just. I mean, I'm I'm terrible for nipping out, which is I when I lived in the UK, I always lived really close to a co-op or you know a shop of some sort. Yeah. So I would be, oh crap, I've just I've missed something off my shopping list or I forgot to get this. I'm just nipping out and off I'd go. Um, but 
But here, it's a little bit more problematic. So going to the shop here is it's a bit further away. So it requires a little bit more forward planning. And I try not to forget things. I wouldn't be as, I'm a bit more lax if I was in the UK. But all of a sudden, there were so many things you also had to remember. You know, masks. I mean, here, I don't know, I don't know about what it was like in the UK, but we had to put a mask on. Yeah, At one point, did. you had to wear gloves. You had to have sanitised. You weren't allowed to touch things. I remember going to one supermarket and all the aisles with things like light bulbs and even printer cartridges i need a print a printer cartridge for something and all of they were taped off you couldn't have like when did light bulbs not become a necessity you know and it, it just seemed like everything there was another layer of getting yeah. through it that was a layer that we all had to do so even the simplest thing like walking your dog we were only allowed to go so many hundred meters away yeah, from the house we the same. it was only for an hour and you're like yeah. well, is anybody watching me and those kind of things so it all just became a little bit more layered in difficulty I suppose yeah. so even the small things just became more problematic to do yeah that's true and do you think because of lockdown we're all now more appreciative you know of of all those things that we took for granted going for a walk where and when we wanted to, being able to buy what we want in the shops, et cetera. Do you think we, or you, we can't Me. everybody, <laughs> do you think you are now more, more grateful for being able to do all those things we took for granted previously? It's weird that you asked that because I, I actually went to a shop on Saturday morning or Monday morning, I can't remember now, and it was a shop that I only started to go to during lockdown because it was quite close. And they, I can never buy fresh milk here. And I found that this shop was quite close to sold fresh milk. So it became my go-to place because, you know, I'm a Northern girl. I'm a tea drinker. So I've got to have my fresh milk. Can't do that, um, you know, long taste funny. Yeah. No. Um, so I went there the other day and even as in my head, as I was getting out of the car, I thought, where's my mask? <laughs> and it was kind of like, what are you talking about? You don't need one of them anymore. We haven't done for a long time. So, um, so yeah, I suppose I'm appreciative that I can, yeah, I'm, I'm appreciative that I can just walk out my front door, but I feel appreciative that I can do that anyway, because yeah. I live in a beautiful place. Yeah. So whereas when I lived in the UK, if I wanted to take, I used to have a beautiful border collie. Um, if I wanted to go for a nice hike up a mountain or a hill or whatever, I'd have to drive for 45 minutes into Wales to go do it. Um, whereas here, I walk out my door and I'm surrounded by olive groves, tracks, almond groves, you know, asparagus fields. And I can just wander anywhere. I can say hello to a few people. So, yeah, I'm really appreciative of that. But I'm not sure it's anything to do with lockdown. I think I'm just appreciative because I'm in a great place, really. Yeah. And what is life like in Spain versus life in the UK? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> and I have a reason for asking you that. I have a real personal reason for asking you that. So uh, answer the question. <laughs> it's hilarious on some levels. Um, obviously, I don't live in a very expat area. In fact, I don't live in an expat area at all. I live in a tiny little agricultural village. And I would probably say there's about two or three people in the village that have a tiny little bit of English. So it was sink or swim with the Spanish. Um, and the amount of misunderstandings, uh, I mean... <laughs> turning up at people's houses when we were two hours too early because we'd missed the gist of what was being said um but saying that really friendly i've been invited to all sorts of things family occasions family events weddings communions barbecues you name it the well like the yeah come along come along um 
it's it's good. It's a good life. Um, you have to get used to doing things. Obviously, we have siesta here. So if you haven't done it by one o'clock in the afternoon, forget it. You can't do it until after five. Um, and I'm not really an evening person. So, if some, you know, if I'm going to go to the supermarket, I go in the morning. Yeah. Uh, uh, in the UK, I might have gone at like two, three in the afternoon. But here, I go in the morning because there's no way I'm going at five o'clock. Yeah. Um, we have tapas culture. So where I live. Which I love. Everywhere yeah. is free tapa. Granada is the inventor of tapas, tapa. And uh, you get a lovely free kind of little tiny plate of something wonderful every time you buy a drink which my friends are all blown away by they're like get another drink get another drink what you get next kind of thing so you know that's a really fantastic thing I live in a beautiful place I've got mountains I'm close to the beach um so yeah it's it's a fantastic lifestyle definitely takes a bit of getting used to um, but I think I, I've never tried to make it into Little England. Yeah. I try to be as Spanish as I can. Yeah. Uh, fail miserably sometimes, don't get me wrong. But I, the effort is always there. Um, and I, I get a little bit upset when I hear people complaining about Spanish as well, because to me, they've always been really hospitable, friendly. They think I'm a bit crackers for moving here. But hey, maybe I am. Um, but yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm, I have no plans to ever return to the UK. So um, it's I'm not I'm not here just for a few years or, you know, I don't go life. home for Christmas as a lot yeah. of expats do. I'm here. This is where I live. This is yeah. my home. So yeah, I love it. Yeah, and I asked, are you moving? Are you no, moving over? It's funny. My children. So my my eldest is seventeen. He'll be going to university next year, um, and my youngest is fourteen. So he'll be going to university in four years' time. So my husband and I are kind of at that stage now where we are thinking, what's our next chapter look like? And we originally said we wanted to buy a place in Cornwall. Then I came up with an idea that I'd actually like to buy a place in France because a friend of mine bought a massive, as he calls it, a massive French pile, and I mean massive. But he ha- he's got a re- he's got a renovated basically. Yeah. I don't want the renovation project per se. I don't mind a little renovation project. Yeah. But then I said to my husband, "But what about Spain? You know, the weather in Spain, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, an outside pool, and all of that." And I hadn't previously had Spain on my horizon at all. But over the last few months, I have started thinking, I don't not want to have you know a house in the UK because yeah. it'll be easier for the children you yeah, know, to come back and forth. But actually, the thought of having a villa, and like you, I don't want to be, you know, amongst a community of expats. I'd like to be able to have, you know, the occasional person to speak English yeah. to. Yeah. Particularly as I can speak about three words of Spanish. So. <laughs> Believe me, when nobody else speaks English, you pick yeah. up the Spanish really quickly. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but having that kind of opportunity to experience a different culture mm-hmm. in a more permanent way, I can absolutely see why it has been, you know, so enticing for you to go and do that. Because, you know, the the opportunity, the weather you know, being able to work online, et cetera, now has made it that we have literally the world is our oyster. Yeah. We just we have do to do this. Sometimes I forget I'm sitting in Spain. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I could be anywhere in the world. 
Um, I think from your three options, Spain would be your cheaper option. You'd get yeah. more more bang for your buck, as they say. Yeah. Um, I I am from the Wirral originally, which is just near Liverpool, and I sold a four bedroom semi detached house. Paid off what was left on the mortgage, which wasn't a huge amount, and bought this, this house outright. Still had money left over to buy a car, ship my stuff, and went on holiday and did a few other things as well. So um, if I looked at the time into because I was undecided whether I was going to end up here, um, and I looked at a property in on the Wirral in the UK, and I couldn't even afford a one-bedroom flat for the price of a, I've got a three bedroom, one level house, lot, lots of garden with a lovely swimming pool. I'm sure you might have seen some of the pictures online. No, um, but I'm going to ask you to share some you can so I can. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll send> you <laughs> um, for, for the, you know, for that price. Yeah. So it, it just became a no brainer really. Yeah. I think France is a little bit more expensive. Although saying that I've been watching, I, I caught a program the other day. I was looking for football. I'm a football fan. I'm a Liverpool fan. No apologies. Um, and I was looking for some football and I caught the end of a program. I was flicking around on the TV and I caught the end of a program called something like um, Help, We Bought a Village or something like that. And these people have gone to France or they've gone to northern Spain, actually, and bought well, a hamlet, a village with like five or six properties and they're renovating it all. And at first I thought, I would have really liked a big renovation project like that. I looked at some things that were up on a mountain, but, you know, there was no windows, no doors, just a shell and it needed renovating or the roof had caved in. Um, But actually the language barrier at that point was just a bit too difficult because it's, I mean, I understand the building trade because that's what my dad did. So it's not a problem, but it was the, how does that all translate into getting people to do things in Spain and making sure it's right? So I've bought a house that was only built in um, 1998 or 99, I think. It's not to my taste. However, it's a solid house. It doesn't need, I mean, I can knock walls down if I want, but it doesn't need anything knocking down or rebuilding structurally. It just needs the interior renovated, which I'm kind of slowly doing as I get round to it. But um, I would say Spain would be a cheaper option. You get more money, more for your money, definitely. I'm going to be heading to right move afterwards, I think. I have that urge. Thank uh, you very much. Kiro.com, I think it is. K-Y-E-R-O is like the Spanish right move. So all the properties are on there. Quiero, uh, I think it is. Yeah, Quiero, Perfect. Thank you. So, what are you excited about next? Oh gosh. Um, oh, what am I excited about next? Um, I'm actually going on holiday to Scotland in a few weeks. <laughs> which is, everybody goes, "Where are you going?" Like in Scotland, and they go, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Uh, in June, so it'll be warm. I'm assuming. Well, it probably won't be warm in Scotland, but it, it will be cooler than here. So. Whereabouts in Scotland? Um, going to stay in Fort William. Actually, my oh, nice. friends is running a hundred mile race from just north of Glasgow, up, and it finishes in Fort William. Yeah, um, Fort William's so lovely. Going, she needs support, support crew. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But what am I looking forward to? Just, um, I, I love what I do. I love helping people. I've got a client at the moment who is in, literally just putting the finishing touches to a really fantastic digital product that helps with children's mental health. And uh, I don't know, I just get really excited about her product. I just think it's fantastic. And I am kind of 
there helping her get it out to the route to market is my thing. I'm there helping her get it out there and you know get it finalized and get it sold and helping all these kids. So that's fantastic. That's a really good, big, exciting thing at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm working on a project with Moira for midlife women as always. Um, I've got other stuff going on. I'm working on uh, another pro- another project um with um Anne. Anne Robson, I don't know whether you know her. She, um, Dr. Anne, she comes under. The name she helps, rings the bell. She helps people through their difficult divorces and she's come up with a fantastic um, set of services that um, I'm helping her with as well. So, yeah, there's lots going on work-wise, um, holiday-wise. Always got a couple of trips planned. Um, I didn't get to a Christmas market last year because the person who was going to look after my dogs couldn't mind them. So um, definitely going in December this year to Nuremberg, which is the oldest Christmas market. Um, yeah, lots of stuff like that, really, just little things. Um, travel travel is always a big, exciting factor for me. Do you find, though, and it's funny, as I asked you that question, it made me reflect, do you find that the one, well, there are many, but the one biggest thing that is really good about being an entrepreneur is you enjoy so much what you do you are actually living in the here and now whereas when you're in corporate life you are kind of well in five years time I'll be doing this and in 10 years time and when I retire whereas in when you're running your own business because you are doing what you love and you're highly motivated by what you love actually you are much more in the moment than you are thinking about the next big thing yeah absolutely and I hadn't even really thought about it from a corporate perspective I spent my corporate time looking to the next role looking to the next project looking to the next position how was I going to grapple my my way a little bit higher and that was the thing that actually made me leave because I just knew I was working for a food service logistics company that um, my boss was the general manager of the logistics business. It was part of a bigger business. Um, and when I said I wanted his job, everybody laughed. And it was kind of like, oh, OK, they were never going to put blonde curly haired Nicola in charge of distribution warehouses with sweaty blooming transport managers and whatever else were they and I remember one day sitting at a meeting and and being really sort of taken aback that oh okay so I'm never going to get there and I just thought that's it I'm out I'm done and I, I, I started my exit strategy at that point but yeah I think I do live in the moment and I love what I do um and I like the fact that if I don't want to do it one day, I don't have to, which is yeah. always good. Yeah. Um, you know, give or take the odd call that's scheduled or whatever. But um, it's not about, it's not always about that waiting for your holiday or waiting for your, you know, your bank holiday weekend off or, you know, if I want to go, if we want to go out and have lunch, we'll go out and have lunch now. It's not, it's not like I have to wait for the weekend yeah. or and, and I think living where I live as well helps with that. Although I'd still do the same things in the UK and still did before I left the UK. But yeah, I think there is a little bit more here and now rather than always, you know, hankering to get to the next yeah. stage of something. Yeah. And um, what I'm going to be doing in five years time, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not that worried either. You know, no. I'll be doing something. Yeah. Whatever it is, it'll be fantastic. And I'll make lots of money doing it. So yeah. there you go. Exactly. And, you know, my husband and I very often have very similar conversations that we, you know, we don't have any plans to retire. 
we will be working in a different way. You know, he's. I think he's envisaging. He'll be coming along carrying my bags. He'll be by the swimming pool while I'm. Do, you know, while I'm on the conference circuit, basically. That's his plan. <laughs> as long as he does the unpacking and the packing, I'm. You know, I'm down for that. <laughs> but I think. I think that is the thing. You know, we. We really do enjoy planning our holidays. We are being really positive about, you know, the next stage when, you know, I don't look at this as empty nest syndrome or anything like that, like some parents might yeah. do. It's being excited about, you know, what the future holds, but actually being really, really happy in the present and being really mindful that if I'm not happy, then like you've said, I'll go and do something else. If I yeah. I never envisage going back to corporate, but if a time ever happened where I had to make a different choice, then I know I have the skill set. I know I can do many other things other than what I'm doing right now, but yeah. I intend, like you, to continue to make this work because whilst this world when i came into it in 2003 the online world mm-hmm. was like going through the wardrobe into narnia to a certain extent and i was a little bit like you know a rabbit caught in the headlights i actually quite like being in narnia i have to say yeah yeah it's not bad i think as long as you keep your feet on the ground with it yeah. and don't get carried away by the well, you know, the tried and tested old phrases, the 10K months and the yeah, 10K exactly. people overnight and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. As long as you just you know, don't get swept away with all that, then, yeah, I mean, it, there's room for everybody. Everybody can do what they need to do to get by. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's not too many things that I see online that offend me because I curate what I see. So, you know, if I don't want to see it, then I won't see it again. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not really about um, having you know having a, a different plan for something else in five years time at all. It's yeah, it's, there will be a, a different variation because when I look back five years ago, pre pandemic, obviously things were different. Yeah, um, and yeah, things do change over time. Nothing ever stays the same, but no. change is good. Change means that you're reacting to the environment around you if you stay still it means the environment's moving and you're not so um i'm i'm all for you know just progress let it grow organically let it let's see where we end up absolutely i think i'm all for evolution over revolution absolutely yeah yeah, Yeah, i I think that kind of suits me and my nature so how can people connect with you nicola Okay. Um, the best place to go to is my website because all my links are on there. I've got a links page. It's uh, nicolatona.com, which is really simple. Really, really um, And if simple. you wanted to email me directly by bypassing my uh, website, it's me at nicolatona.com. So yeah, really simple. I'm on all the socials, obviously, but all the links are on my website, as I say. Perfect. So all those details will be in the show notes so people can easily contact Brilliant. you. Thank you very much for your time today. I have Absolutely. loved the conversation. We've had this a while in the planning. We've so had. I'm really glad we've been able to do it. Thank yeah. you for your time. It's Thanks been for a brilliant me. conversation. I'll see you in Spain. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Take care. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. 
This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.